Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They say that you can take the girl out of the South, but you can't take the South out of the girl. But can you take comedy out of a rom-com? Well, that remains to be seen as we attempt to prove to you that sweet home Alabama is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. Now, when it was pitched for us to do the movie that we are talking about today, anytime I hear the words Sweet Home in Alabama in that order put together, my first thought is, oh yeah, I know that song. It's uh, Werewolves in London. But normally... We don't talk about music on this show. That's for the other show. We're talking about movies today, but we're still going to be talking about Sweet Home Alabama. And here joining us for the first time ever is Vanessa from the Movie Duel podcast. Vanessa, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Jason. I'm good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am doing really, really well. Now, normally when we have someone from the Movie Duel podcast, it's Peter. But now tell us a little bit about your role on the Movie Podcast, or the Movie Duel podcast. Um, So I joined about nine months ago um peter's original co-host had um decided to leave the podcast so he was looking for people to come on on a kind of rota basis so we met through another movie podcast uh, and uh, yeah so i go on kind of once every couple of months uh, to talk about different different movies and stuff so um yeah i've been really really enjoying that um in fact i'm i think i've got one coming up with them at the end of this month so um so yeah fairly new into podcast and i've only been doing it about like eight or nine months but i'm really i just like talking and it's a good <laughs> way to talk <laughs> Well, luckily we do a lot of talking here, so that's okay. (laughs) Now, normally, too, when you're on the Movie Duel podcast, you're usually talking about movies that you like. So what is it about Sweet Home Alabama that made you want to come onto this show and talk about it? I've always really liked it. Um, I mean, I I didn't realize until I was doing some research yesterday how old it was. I, in my head, I thought it was maybe about like 15 years old. I had no idea it was over 20 years old. Um, And I first saw it in the cinema, I think with my mum, and I would have been about 18 at the time and I just, I don't know, something about it really clicked with me. Like, I'm I'm not a massive rom-com fan, but I do quite like like a a good, light, sweet, easy to watch rom-com. And um, to me, this is just like exactly what it says on the tin. It's nice, it's sweet. Um, Parts of it are quite funny. It's not probably the funniest rom-com, but it's just a really easy kind of comfort watch I suppose it's the type of thing I can put on if I'm maybe not feeling very good or feeling a bit down and it just makes me feel instantly instantly better so yeah 
Everyone's got to have those feel-good movies, mm-hmm. and I could see how this would be someone's feel-good movie. But before yeah. we get too far into talking about the movie, before we dive too far into Alabama, it is time to take this Reese Witherspoon rom-com and trailerize it. How well do you know the one you love? What mysteries does she keep under lock and key? What secrets are she hiding? You'll start to ask yourself that after watching Sweet Home Alabama. Melanie Carmichael has taken New York by storm after leaving her stormy past behind. Now, on the cusp of marriage, she must return to her sordid past of vandalism, debauchery, and feline combustion in order to get her first marriage annulled. All she needs is the signature of the man she once loved, who holds the pen over her head like a sword of Damocles. One can't let go, one can't wait to let go. Who will give in? Reese Witherspoon is the adorable cat killer in Sweet Home Alabama. Rated PG-13 for Pass the Grits. <laughs> uh, I I was waiting for someone to serve up grits in this film. It's, it really leans heavily into the, the a lot of those Southern tropes. But funny enough, the producer of this film kind of had the same life experience. They left Alabama, changed their name, and made a name for themselves in the movie. So kind of feels like it fits, I guess, the, uh, the creative aspect of it. But let's get into who's in this film. The movie stars... Reese Witherspoon, Patrick Dempsey, Josh Lucas, Candace Bergen, Mary Kay Place, Fred Ward, Gene Smart, and Ethan Embry. However, there is an almost starring in this one. Before we get to the main one, Catherine Town had a role in this film as Melanie's assistant, who eventually marries Patrick Dempsey's character after the marriage is called off, but those scenes were dropped. But the big one here is the role of Melanie Carmichael herself, as played by Reese Witherspoon. Apparently, it was supposed to be Charlize Theron. I don't know if I can picture her in this. No, I read that yesterday as well. And this is going to sound bad because I actually really like Reese Witherspoon. But at the time, I think Charlize Theron was taking on like meteor roles. Whereas Reese Witherspoon, I think she'd only just recently done like Legally Blonde when this came out, and I don't know. I just um, I mean, I think she, I think they're both really good actors in different ways. Like I think Charlize Theron actually, I rewatched The Devil's Advocate recently, and I forgot that she was in that, and she's actually really really good in it. Um, but no, I just I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I. I I don't think I can see it. I think it would be quite a different movie if she was in it. I think it's one of those things where you take a look at someone's, you know, body of work and sit there and say, I don't think of Charlize Theron the minute I I think of rom-coms. Like, it's it's just not there. Like, yes, she is a phenomenal actress. Yes, she has the ability to disappear into her roles. Is she a rom-com actress, though? I'm not quite sure. But Reese Witherspoon, on the other hand, kind of fits the mold a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think just looking at, um, like I said, Legally Blonde, that she'd done not that long ago, I think she definitely fits the mold a bit more. Having said that, it would be interesting now to see 
what the movie would be like with Charlize Theron in that leading role, definitely. I mean, if you take a look at the movies that Charlize Theron had done leading up to this film, uh, she was in That Thing You Do, she was in The Astronaut's Wife, which, okay, I can see why there, as well as um, a few other films but nothing really, I mean, aside from Sweet November and The Astronaut's Wife, nothing that really screams rom-com. And even those aren't really rom-coms per se. No, no. I, I mean, let's be honest. Shirley's Theron could do pretty much whatever the hell she wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think they they ended up with the better choice in Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, Definitely. The movie is directed by Andy Tennant, who previously had directed Hitch, Ever After, and Fool's Gold. So you have someone with a lot of um, rom-com and at least romantic and comedy influences into their, you know, into their repertoire. And I, I think that shows in how this is directed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This movie actually did very well at the awards not to not to list all of them because there are quite a few but just a few standout ones here at the 2003 glad awards the film was dominated for outstanding film wide release but lost to the hours at the 2003 mtv movie and tv awards reese witherspoon was nominated for best female performance lost to kirsten dunst in spider-man i I don't know about that one i mean spider-man was big I, I I don't know if Reese Witherspoon got outacted by Kirsten Dunst, but that's MTV. <laughs> and at the 2003 Teen Choice Awards, Reese Witherspoon again was nominated for Choice Movie Actress in a Comedy. She lost to Queen Latifah for Bringing Down the House. Hmm. And Candace Bergen was nominated for Choice Movie Villain, lost to Colin Farrell in Daredevil. And I can't believe someone lost to any, you know, lost to anyone for anything to that 2003 Dare, 2003 Daredevil <laughs> film, but here we are. The movie, however, did win for Choice Movie Comedy, and Witherspoon and Josh Lucas won for Choice Movie Lip Lock. At the box office, this film did very, very well. It had a budget of $30 million. Domestically, it grossed $127 million, and worldwide, wow. $180 million. Mm. It was the number one film when it was released on the September 27th, 2002 weekend. And yes, you mentioned it. This film is 22 years old, so <laughs> I can feel the back aching already here. It made $35.6 million, more than double the next film on the list, which was the debut of The Tuxedo, which starred Jackie Chan and Jennifer Love Hewitt. But the reason why we are here, not because Vanessa said, hey, do you want to actually do this film? is the critics over at metacritic this film has a meta score of 45 and over at rotten tomatoes the audience score is a really good 78 percent the tomatometer tells a different story at 38 percent now i recognize that rom-coms aren't exactly going to be beloved by critics but why the hate on for this one I don't know. I mean, is it because it, 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 it is quite tropey? I think you mentioned that. In fact, there's something I need to ask you because we don't know, like we don't get these here. What are grits? What are, is it potato? You know what's funny? Because I, I'm Canadian. I just know that grits exist. It, it sounds like something sloppy. I've never actually personally had grits. Right. Okay. But and, and again, maybe that's just my perception of Southern cooking. Yeah, although, yeah. although some of it could be very, very good. I just 
in my mind, grits is something I don't ever want to go down that road. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. I just wondered what they were. Um, yeah, I think it is quite tropey. Um, is it particularly funny? Probably not. It's probably more on the rom than the calm side of that. <laughs> um, is it? I suppose. I don't know. I, I, I suppose. It, it must be a combination of those things because like i don't think any of the performances are particularly bad i don't think that um i think actually some of the performances are actually quite quite good and quite funny so i think it must just be because of the fact that it is a little bit tropey and it's a bit there are stereotypes there's i mean looking at it now there's a couple of things that haven't aged particularly well so i don't know if that side of it maybe as as what swung the critics or like you said the critics just generally aren't big fans of rom-coms they just you know they're not very highbrow they don't think much of them damn critics mm-hmm. although it's funny because we talked about grits a little bit but one actual recipe that they mentioned in this movie and i had to look this up because i was both intrigued and disgusted at the same time bologna cake and i yeah, had to look that? up yeah, I I had to look it up because I'm sitting there going, bologna cake just sounds like something you you say to someone when they're bull you. But yet, <laughs> here is the dish. Okay, it is cake made with layers of sliced bologna, cream cheese, and I'm not I'm not even lying. This is exactly what I'm reading off Google here with ranch dressing or other seasoning for the for the cream cheese, and I just vomited in my mouth as I as I think I said it. <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea to make? This sounds like some drunk on some kind of really harsh hooch. And you're like, I, I got to cook something. What have we got in the fridge? <laughs> Bologna cream cheese and ranch dressing. Well, put it all in a bin and see what happens. <laughs> I I, I want to know. I want to know. Dear listeners, I want to know if someone has actually gone out and tried bologna cake Please, for the love of God, tell me that there is some kind of culinary value in this. I'm curious and frightened at the same time. But before we gross out more of our listeners here, let's get to the breakdown as to why this film got the rating that it did. We start with Reese Witherspoon, who, of course, played Melanie Carmichael slash Smooter, because Melanie Carmichael, if that is her real name... Um, of course, changed her entire identity when she went to New York. But how was Reese Witherspoon in this for you? I think she's perfect. I think she plays it really well. I think she's sweet. I think she's believable. I think, I mean, I like Reese Witherspoon. I like a lot of the stuff that she does. I think she's a good actor, but I think she's good at the comedy stuff as well as like the more serious kind of stuff. Did you see the film she did? Was it? what was it called was it wild the one where she was like camping she did some pacific northwest pacific you know it's like a long distance hike thing that you do um and she was like a recovering i think it was like heroin addict or something it was based on like a true story and it was you know it was a lot it was a much darker film and i think she can do that kind of stuff she can do the serious stuff but she's also really fun and things like this and things like legally blonde and as we said before, Charlize Theron, I can't imagine because I just feel like this is like Reese Witherspoon's movie. Like it's her it's her movie. And she never like gets on your nerves either, I think, because that kind of character 
I think can become irritating sometimes, but I don't feel that with this character. I feel that she's quite likeable even when she's doing really, really stupid stuff. Like, you kind of understand it. I mean, I think actually, you know, she does, some of the stuff she does, if you think about it, is actually not very nice because you get the impression she hasn't spoken to her parents for like seven years and they're just like nice people. Like, they haven't done anything wrong. So some of the things, actually, when you think about it, you're like, oh, actually, she's, maybe she's not quite as nice. But as a performance, I think she's very solid and very believable. I mean, when you take a look at some of the actresses that were doing rom-coms in and around that time, um, actresses like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer Love Mm. Hewitt, you know, there are some who I could picture in this, uh, Charlize Theron, probably not. Um, So I think Reese Witherspoon is the perfect person for this. And I love the fact that, you know, when she's in New York, you know, her accent is very New York. But the longer she's back in Alabama, you can hear the Southern drawl start to to creep out of it. And that that aspect, I think, was actually very well done. Uh, Given her past history, I mean, I did not see Wild, but I mean, movies like Pleasantville. You know, oh yeah, cruel, of course, Pleasantville. Yeah, right, cruel, yeah. cruel intentions. You know, there yeah. there were some really good films. And yes, Legally Blonde, of course, kind of preps her for the, you know, that kind of not necessarily rom com, but definitely a little bit more the lighter hearted fare. But I'm glad you pointed out the fact that Melanie isn't really the most likable of characters. You know, she's you know outing her friend. She's disdainful of everyone back in her hometown. She thinks she's above everybody. You know. And I'm going to talk about this when we get to to Josh Lucas, who played Jake. Why the hell is he still pining for her after all this time? <laughs> like, it, it, honestly, the way she is at the beginning of this film, and I'm just like, why have you not put pen to paper? Have you not figured this out? But, and and yeah, the fact that she's so ashamed of her past, and you know, we don't necessarily really see an evolution of melanie you know we see her have a little bit of fun and whatnot but she still really wants to get the hell out of there and just get married melanie doesn't have the character arc i think that the film needs or at least the script should have given Mm. her yeah 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 there's not really a redemption because really she just gets everything that she wants in fact i'm sure i read something once that um that said that actually she was a bit of a sociopath <laughs> who can, you know, with these like dual identities who doesn't care about other people. And I, there is a reading of it like that because what she does to Patrick Dempsey's character, and he's not the nicest character either, but I mean, that is really quite cruel. Um, what she does to Josh Lucas's character, what she does to her parents, how she treats her, like you said, her childhood friends. It's, but then she's still at the end of it at the end of the movie, she still kind of gets what she wants because she gets married and, you know, she manages to somehow balance both the life in New York and the life in Alabama. So I suppose there is a reading of it, really, where she's quite (laughs) a sociopath who just gets what she wants and doesn't care what happens to those about her. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, if you break down this script and just give generalizations and you, you don't say Reese Witherspoon... Because the minute you say Reese Witherspoon, you know, in 2002, 
you get this image of a very wholesome actress, like very pleasant. Because when she's on screen, she is absolutely a pleasant actress to, Mm -hmm. you know, to watch her performance, despite some of the performances that she's done in the past. Melanie Carmichael is not exactly the, the nicest of people, but yet somehow she gets away with it and the audience is supposed to actually root for her. I, I, I was feeling more for some of the other people in Alabama. But the thing is, yeah. is that you can make this work by just changing the script a little bit. You know, yeah. and you only have to do is change how she is in New York and Alabama works, you know, because in New York, it feels like everything is literally going her way. You know, uh, she's taking off as a designer. Uh, she's top of the world. She's being married to someone who's in line for a high political position. Very powerful. Like, like everything is going well for her. And it doesn't look like she's working that hard to do it. Gets to Alabama and can't stand being back home. If she was working so hard and like literally killing herself in New York and then realized the life that she left back there and how much fun she actually had. Yeah. Yes. Does it sound a bit like a Hallmark film? An absolute, like, all you need is Christmas and it's a Hallmark film. <laughs> but it would at least give us a reason for Melanie to have that character redemption because if New York was so hard on her and Alabama showed her what she was missing, that was just being able to dial back and relax. Yeah. A much better film. Josh Lucas, who played Jake Perry, the the old husband, the one who needs to you know put his name on the paper. How was he? I thought he was quite good. He's not an actor I know a lot. Funnily enough, I realised that him and Reese Witherspoon had actually been in another movie together. Do you know what movie that is? I do not. American Psycho. Yeah, Very that- different. Very different. <laughs> well, well, given how you describe Melanie, maybe it's not that different. <laughs> I, I can picture Melanie sitting there pulling in her business card. Look at the look at the quality of this card. <laughs> you can actually see that. That is quite funny. Um, yeah, I thought Josh Lucas was pretty good. I mean, I mean, it's quite an easy part, isn't it? Like, it's obvious. I think you're going to sympathise with him. He's like a country kind of bumpkin type. Who, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean. I suppose the only thing, and this isn't a criticism of the performance, it's maybe just the way it was written, like, there isn't much to the character. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, like, always, you know, trying to prove himself. He drives a truck. He goes out to the local, like, roadhouse or whatever to play pool and drink with his friends, and he doesn't, like... I don't know. He's... It's quite... So that again, like this has nothing to do with the performance. I think the performance was absolutely fine, but I think it's quite a shallow written character. There's not really much going on there. I don't know what you thought. I mean, I like I said, I don't understand why why Jake is holding on to this idea of Melanie. And maybe maybe that's it. I mean, it's just the idea of Melanie. You know, first kiss, first love, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, he was the quarterback. He was the pretty girl in high school. I get it, right? But the thing is. At, at least this movie does him justice in that it's the little things that he does. Like when she gets completely pissed drunk and pisses off everybody at the bar, he's at least still making sure that she doesn't drive 
drunk to get home yeah, and yeah. and brings him back to her parents. You know, yeah. he, he's he's not he's not even blowing her cover at the glass shop when she's there with her New York friends before the wedding, you know. And he also makes sure, you know, they show him almost confronting everyone when, you know, Bobby Ray's, you know, after he's been outed and everyone's like, are you still the same person as you were yesterday? Good. Excellent. Then let's all have a drink. Right. Like these are all really, really good aspects towards Jake. So it would have made sense if it was kind of a reverse thing and that, you know, Melanie still, you know, in her heart still had feelings for Jake, even though, you know, she left for New York you know, that reminder of, more, you know, easier times. Jake makes sense in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense, yeah. Again, it's, it's still very Hallmark, though. It's so yeah. Hallmark. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, but an Alabama Christmas, that's basically what this, this remake would be. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey is Andrew Hennings. You said that he, you know, Andrew wasn't necessarily a great guy. I'm I'm curious where that comes from. I get the impression that the whole reason that he's with Melanie is to piss off his mum. Because she she doesn't want him being with somebody like that. She's obviously wanting him to be with some socialite, political, old money people. And, like, when he proposes and they're in the limo, I think he says something like, oh, I can't wait to see the look on my mum's face, as if that's the only thing that he's interested in. I don't think he's a terrible person, but to me, it's almost just like he's a little boy trying to rebel against his mum, and that's the whole reason for his relationship with Melanie, <laughs> basically. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting that you point that out. And first of all, Patrick Dempsey, he's he's exactly what you need him to be, right? Yeah. He, is ex- yeah. he is the perfect person for the role, even though the role isn't as flushed out as it should be. But when you take a look at, you know, at Melanie, at Jake, and at Andrew, each of them is trying to distance themselves from their past, right? Yeah. Melanie goes to New York, and e- even Melanie's mother was saying, you know, I don't want you to end up like I was. You know, yeah. you've, you've got Jake's mother who's like, you know, you're just like your father kind of thing. And you've got Andrew who doesn't want to end up like his mother. You know, I mean, he clearly he loves Melanie. Otherwise, you know, he would have been on that Learjet and getting the hell out of Alabama rather than come back and go, well, maybe you can still be my wife. Oh, poor Patrick Dempsey. But <laughs> don't you know she's a sociopath? But anyways, <laughs> the thing is... I wish they had developed the relationship between Patrick Dempsey um, and Candace Bergen a little bit more. Like if, if we saw a bit more of the, you know, if she was even testing, like, like, like not testing, but, but, but basically like getting opinion polls on Melanie and how that affects her and how that pisses off Andrew. The fact that, you know, you know, she's that melanie is nothing to his mother except for um you know public opinion then that would have at least made sense as far as andrew going yeah no you know what no the mom's pissed you go ahead you you go marry your 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 old husband that that would have made sense Uh, as it was andrew didn't feel as flushed out and a lot of his motivations didn't necessarily feel 
as full as they could have been. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think he could have he could have done with fleshing out a bit. But I think Patrick Dempsey does the job well. I think he's perfect in that role. He's not something I don't watch um what's that thing that he's in? That um medical thing. Oh, what's it called? There's a medical thing that he's in that he's been in for ages. Uh, Grey's Anat- is it Grey's Anatomy? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never seen that, but um I think he's like the leading character or something in it. But I think that in this he does the job well. But as you say, it would have been interesting to maybe get a wee bit more about his relationship with but it just definitely came to me came off to me that he was mainly just trying to annoy his mum. Yeah. I mean the thing with Patrick Dempsey is that I don't think you want him to be as let, you know, let, let, let's put this out on front street right josh lucas has that very rugged former athlete kind of look to him that that very um small town handsome kind of thing going on you don't want yeah. patrick dempsey to mirror that but to the same token as well maybe if he did mirror that a little bit more then it would feel like melanie was trying to be with something someone that reminded her of jake but then, you yeah. know, it comes into a full recast and, you know, then you have to, you know, write, rewrite the entire script. So I, I think Patrick Dempsey works in a New York sense yes. to counter. And maybe that's it. Maybe you, you need Patrick Dempsey to be not Southern. You need him to be very New York because that's what Melanie wants. Melanie wants the, the entire New York aesthetic, the job the guy, the life. Like, that makes sense. And for that, Patrick Dempsey is the perfect person. But since we already talked about her, Candace Bergen, who plays Kate Hennings, Andrew's mother, how delicious was she in this? I love her in this. I think she's just absolutely... I think she blows everybody else off the screen, to be honest. Like, when she's on screen, she's just... And there isn't much comedy in this, but she gets a lot of really good lines um yeah i think i think she's fantastic i think she's just um funny um and just just like really i don't know how to say it but like she kind of commands the scenes that she's in like you're drawn to looking at her and not really looking at anything else but i think candace bergen is fantastic i think this kind of falls into the whole Andrew things that I wish they delved into her a bit more because mm-hmm. Kate was the perfect person to be a bit of the, the, the linchpin sowing, sowing discord into Andrew's and, you know, thoughts about marriage and whatnot. Like I wish there was a bit more of can of Kate sending reporters or, or PIs to Alabama to find out more about Melanie and at every turn, you know, like yeah. we got we got a little bit of that once we realized that apparently there was a cat that was exploded near a bank or something like that, and it was all thanks <laughs> to Melanie. Such a bizarre but it's I I I I fear that something like that actually happened, and that someone wrote that in. It's like, oh yeah, you remember remember, remember Johnny? Remember we did the cat? We're gonna put that in this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I understand. We'll maybe get onto that at some point, but that bit is, is wild. <laughs> But the, the thing is, is that you have someone as so good as Candace Bergen and you don't utilize her to her full extent. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're going to put an actress of that caliber in there and you're going to give her a juicy role, make it juicy and make it. But then to the same token as well, it would take away, I think, from the 
not necessarily the love triangle because I don't think it's a love triangle, but it would take away from Melanie's um, Alabama rediscovery of her old life. So I know that there's a bunch of different directions that this movie is going in, and I don't know if it decided exactly which direction it wanted to go to in the first place. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I think yeah. Mary Kay Place and Fred Ward, who played Melanie's parents. Um, I liked them. I want to know your thoughts. I liked them both, actually. I thought they were I thought they were good. Um, I felt sorry for them, like I said, because they didn't do anything wrong. And Melanie's obviously gone to New York and gone, I'm just kind of washing my hands of you like I'm too good for you now. You're just kind of like simple country people and um obviously our you know the dad uh, Errol does all the you know like the civil war reenactments and stuff but I thought they were sweet I thought it was quite funny because Fred Ward I only know from Tremors and he's also called Errol in Tremors which (laughs) is a strange one but yeah I thought um like with maybe kind of a running theme they weren't that fleshed out they were fairly one-dimensional characters, but I thought they were both really quite sweet. I probably like, like not as performances, but as characters, I probably liked Errol maybe slightly more than Peril. Um, I don't know if it's just because he, I don't know, he just seemed... Very much his own person, yeah. Yeah, maybe there was just a wee bit more to him than her. But um, but yeah, as a couple, I thought they were nice and they were be- like they were believable. The one, the one thing I I never understood about, about about her mother is that it really feels like the you know the mother is feeling all this guilt because if Melanie felt like she had to get away to discover herself, how many how much resentment is her mother feeling to, about that? Is she internalizing it? I mean, the thing with Fred Ward, I mean, a you you mentioned Tremors, which of course is an absolute like just cult classic. Yeah. I remember the first time seeing like or at least knowing of of watching Fred Ward was in Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, which is an absolutely fun film. Um, but he is very much one of those not necessarily lead actors, but he definitely any movie that he's in, he makes that role a lot better. And I think it's one of those things where I like the fact that he's not a bumbling father he yes. just yes he, is he a civil war larper yes he is yeah but everyone in the town is doing it as well so <laughs> and the the fact that you know even melanie after after seeing her dad's like it was kind of fun to watch him surrender like like there's the part where we should have seen a bit more like melanie seeing like just the just the relaxed nature of being back home and how she kind of missed that a little bit, even maybe even deep down, and maybe she was denying how much she was missing it. I felt like her parents were there with the potential for showing Melanie what she's missing, but that part wasn't flushed out. It was almost like, you know, the mom was there to show Melanie's guilt, and the dad was there to show a little bit of, you know, a more relaxed life. Jean Smart, who played Stella, who was Jake's mother. Uh, a, I couldn't believe it was Jean Smart. But B, how was she for you? Yeah, she was fine. I mean, she doesn't have much to do. Like, she's not on screen that often. You don't get to know her as well as you get to know Earl and Peril. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I know Jean Smart. Is she 
you say her like you know you you've obviously you obviously know her from something else i'm not sure that i do unless i'm not thinking of something <laughs> i mean maybe it's across the pond thing because she was of course was one of the main actresses in the show designing women so the fact that she's a you know in Sweet Home Alabama makes sense given the the southernness of the characters on Designing Women. So that kind of makes right. sense. I, right. I think in this case as well, Stella not necessarily humanizes Jake per se, but I think in a way she humanizes Melanie a bit because, you know, here's the girl who married her son and then ran off to New York, you know, and has been trying to get divorced from her son. And yet when she shows up at the, at the bar, Stella's like, there's my favorite daughter-in-law. It's like, okay, that tells me that Melanie was a good person while in mm-hmm. Alabama. The, like, Stella was the only one who made me think that Melanie was a good person when she was back at home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She does serve that kind of purpose because she is really keen for them to get back together, isn't she? So she must. She must see something in Melanie and she must see something in the relationship. But but no, I thought I thought um as a performance I thought it was good. I haven't seen or heard of designing women, so I don't know if that's something that we maybe didn't get here. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I've not heard of it. But yeah, I thought she was good, just really I suppose maybe the whole purpose of that character, like you say, is just so that it mean it makes you think there's a reason that Melanie and um, Jake should get together. So maybe that's all she really needs to do, I suppose. The other character that helped humanize Melanie a little bit was Ethan Embry, who, of course, played Bobby Ray. Again, we needed a bit more of characters like Stella and Bobby Ray in that those are the kind of people that are going to give us a reason to want Melanie to get everything good that's coming to her. Mm -hmm. How was Ethan Embry for you? I thought he was really good. I really liked him. I thought he was fun. I thought he um, he did show a little bit more of the real um, Melanie, and and you got a little bit of depth out of his character. You got to know a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I've seen him in anything else actually, but I thought Bobby Ray was um, and quite necessary because out of all the because there's a there's a few of them, the kind of like childhood friends. I think Melanie Linsky plays one of the others. Um, he's the one that does humanise um, Melanie the most. And then there is obviously this little, you know, when she does out him in the bar and stuff, there's that little additional bit for him, I suppose, that little additional bit of his character. So, yeah, I thought um, I really liked him. I thought he was good. If you're unfamiliar with Ethan Emery, we've actually talked about him on this podcast before uh, in the movie Empire Records, where he played Mark. Oh, right. I never knew he was an Empire Records. Right, okay. But he was also in movies, and this, you know, you'll probably recognize some of these here. Uh, Ve- okay. Vegas Vacation. That Thing You Do. Yeah. Can't Hardly Wait. No. No? Not not Can't Hardly Wait? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I can't think, no. Well, he is still acting today, uh, most recently in Last Seen Alive, but in 2018, of course, he was also in First Man. So you know, right. there is a ton of stuff with Ethan Embry in it. But I think the nice thing about this is that, you know, here we have a closeted gay character in Alabama. And they, this is the one thing that they didn't do tropey. In that once he's outed, it's just like, okay, cool. It, yeah. it, 
nothing has changed that is that is one of the reasons why i think this film definitely got that that glad film nomination um it's important i think to have that kind of just nonchalant matter of factness about his sexuality and the fact that that you know melanie drunkenly outs him and it does not matter i think that's actually a good aspect to this yeah oh definitely definitely and as you say because that could have played a different way um and the fact that it it just nobody really was bothered um i think probably was slightly ahead of its time um so yeah no i like that I, i did like that part of the film although i think what she does it's pretty horrible. Maybe it goes back to the whole social <laughs> thing. Um, but, because, um, yeah, I, I, I felt... But then, <coughs> again, that bit in the bar, she's really quite mean. She's not just mean to him, she's mean to all of them. Yeah, it, it's very much a lash-out thing. But then, even later on, she at least admits the fact that she's lashing out at everyone so that people aren't looking at her, you know, yeah. and, and pointing out her foibles. And it's a defense mechanism. And yeah. not that it excuses what she does, but it at least explains what she does. It doesn't make Melanie a better person by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Just a just a yeah. bad drunk. <laughs> there are a number of, uh, of decent namers in this film in smaller roles. Uh, Melanie Linsky, Rona Mitra as uh, Melanie's friend from New York, and Dakota Fanning played young melanie in the beginning of this you know this has a very very good cast even though you know you some of the names may not have been as familiar to a lot of people at that time yeah yeah no it's a a good i like melanie linsky actually um i most recently saw her in yellow jackets okay did you watch yellow jackets i have not watched that show yet it's it's pretty well, the first season's better than the second, but um, it is pretty good. But I think Melanie Linsky is actually a really, really good actress. Like she's been in some um, some really good stuff, and a couple of the others I'd I'd, um, I'd seen, I'd definitely seen in small parts before as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm most familiar with Melanie Linsky from Heavenly Creatures and from But I'm a Cheerleader. Right, which is another right. movie that actually qualifies for for this show. Oh, is it? Yeah. Heavenly creature, Heavenly Creatures is a, is a good movie. It's a really good movie. You no, know, and of course, Rona Mitra. You know, in the one Underworld film that Kate Beckinsale didn't do, but also in Doomsday, uh, which is a film that I actually have up on my whiteboard to cover on this show at oh, some wow. point in time this year. But Dakota Fanning. Okay, I, I have to. I'm, I'm I'm not dissing Dakota Fanning at all because I thought she did a very good job as young Melanie. The opening scene is young Jake and young Melanie on the beach, and you know it's it's a very cute little sweet scene until they're struck by lightning. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. And I'm like, is God angry that they kissed? Because what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre. And apparently, Dakota Fanning was only seven. She was only seven. This was actually apparently her first ever kiss. Yeah. Like ever, but the thing is, like I I understand that the whole um, when lightning hits sand, it turns it into glass because, of course, when sand is superheated, it turns to glass and it creates these wonderful little glass monuments. And and you know, I I get the cute um, Hallmark esque kind of aspect of of that, but I'm I'm gonna tell you on first watch, I'm like, 
oh, okay, so they're in the south, and they kiss, and lightning strikes down. Nothing good is going to come from this. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> These, this, this is just where my head goes at this point sometimes. But, but the key thing here is that I think the pieces are there to definitely work with this. But what stands out to you? Like now that we've sat there and dissected like the actors and the characters and whatnot, what is it about Sweet Home Alabama that did work for you? I think it's just, it's straightforward, it's simple, it's a simple story, it's not, like, there's nothing, I mean, apart from Melanie being possibly a bit of a sociopath, there's nothing, like, dark in it, there's nothing, even, like, we've spoken about the storyline with Bobby Ray, it doesn't, you know, it just stays, the whole movie just stays, like, light and it's sweet and you know things work out as I think you're supposed to think that they should do by the end and I think you hope that maybe it doesn't come across so well on in the film but you kind of hope that Melanie has like learned a lesson and realized that she shouldn't be ashamed of where she comes from and she's re- uh, what's the word she's like reunited with all her kind of childhood friends as well that she'd maybe lost touch with and I think as well there's this sense of this like small town like I live in quite a small town and I do quite like and it is a bit tropey but this idea of this kind of like southern tight-knit close-knit community and um you know this bar that they all go to and they all know each other and um, like I'm not much of a city person I do like smaller towns and you do get I suppose maybe this is something actually because I live in Scotland there are little towns in Scotland that are probably like little towns in the south you know what I mean that have got these like pubs that like everybody goes to and everybody knows each other and people are like you know got together with people when they were at school and then like went on to get married and so I don't know if there's just an element of I understand it a bit because it's not too dissimilar. I mean, the town I live in is 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 I think quite a bit bigger than what's it Pigeon Creek or whatever it is is supposed to be, but I think it maybe just rings a bit of a bell, and that just kind of and of course as well when I first saw it I was eighteen. Like if I first saw it for the first time now, I don't think I would have the same affection for it. But I think it's partly to do with the age I was when I first saw it, I think I just was like, well, this is so lovely. And I didn't think about all the flaws at that time. I just thought about all the nice things about it and um, how much I enjoyed going to see it at the cinema. And like I said, I went with my mum and I think the two of us really enjoyed it. I think maybe one of my friends was there as well. So there's probably a heavy dose of nostalgia involved in why I like this movie so much, to be fair. One of the things that that I'm I'm very curious about is that when this film came out, of course, like it it made bank, right? It mm-hmm. made like you know you you do the math on a thirty million dollar budget and a hundred eighty plus million dollar worldwide box office. Like, there's no question that this film made bank, and yeah. it's not like I'm asking for a sequel. But I mean, keep in mind that this film came out in two thousand two. You know, so this is when a film like this can actually do well and dominate at the, you know, at the box office. Not that it had much competition from Tuxedo, because I'm sure that film probably qualifies for this show as well. (laughs) But the thing is, if this film were to be made 
today. Is this the kind of film that's going to make it into the theaters or is this going straight to streaming? Mm, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think rom-coms have had their day a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time a big rom-com made a lot of money at the cinema and I can't think, I can't think of the last time. Um, I think the so, last one might have been The Lost City with Sandra Bullock. Oh, that was pretty awful. I watched that. Yeah. See, I enjoyed it. that. No. Oh, my wife and I. Oh, I did you? My wife and I went to the theater and we actually had a lot of a lot of fun watching that film. Right. Uh, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, maybe this kind of film is coming back into the theaters. But, you know, most rom-coms these days seem to be going straight to streaming. They do. Um, they do. Okay, so that one, that one aside, I can't think of another rom-com that's done really well at the box office in the last five even t- 10 years and i think you're right i think a lot of them now go they go straight a lot of them go straight to netflix you see a lot of these kind of films on netflix so i think if this came out today it would be a straight to netflix and it probably would have a christmas yeah but i think the good thing is that you take a look at a film like this with only a 30 million dollar budget yeah. yeah and yeah. at that time you know like obviously a lot there's a lot more that went into um cost of production because of course to shoot things on film and whatnot like i'm sure you could do that same film today because there's not a lot to it that would require too much so you could probably do that film for about 15 million today given today's technology which yeah. makes it perfect for a streaming service like an apple or paramount or netflix yeah also for the record there is apparently a gender swapped bollywood version of of Sweet Home Alabama, starring <laughs> starring Priyanka Chopper Jones. The movie is called Barsate, and I'm now curious to see what a Bollywood Sweet Home Alabama would look like. Oh, definitely. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to check if it qualifies. But before we go, okay, so we, we, we've gotten to this point. We've gone through the film. First question, before we get to our MVP... 38% is the critic score on this. Okay, just to, just to re- refresh our memory here. 38% tomatometer, 78% audience score. To you, where does this film sit? To me, like 75, 80. Um, but I do recognize that that, that is a lot of just how I felt feel about it and when I saw it as I said if I saw it like you for the first time yesterday my score would probably be quite a bit lower than that and I think it's always important when you're talking about movies to recognize that some movies just have a special place in your heart when actually objectively they're maybe (laughs) not quite as good as you think but I think the critic score is hard I do think the critic score is harsh like I don't I mean what do you think of that because obviously you did just see it for the first time yesterday do you think the critic score is pretty harsh I mean I I think even my score would still have a qualify for this podcast in that under 60 percent but I think it's probably sits about that 50 53 percent and I think right that is you know that's giving a lot of credit to Reese Witherspoon and the charm that she's able to bring to Melanie despite the fact that she is a cat killing sociopath in this film (laughs) the bit about the cat is like we we touched on it earlier right but just to kind of maybe go into a bit more detail when he's explaining it 
he says something like, oh, the cat was terminally ill. She didn't want the cat to go into one of those things that sucks the lungs out. And I was like, what is he talking about? If you euthanize a cat, it's like an injection where they go to sleep. It's very peaceful. How would strapping dynamite to a cat be less peaceful than that? I, yeah, I think... Do you think that that's actually a real... Like you said, a real story that somebody's put in there because they're like, this actually happened. I, I honestly don't know, but it just seems so far-fetched and out there that somehow either this has happened yeah yeah somehow somewhere some way or like someone's got some real up dreams and they're actually putting it down into scripts but the thing is like i understand the idea of you know you don't want the cat to suffer okay you put it down whatever but to strap dynamite to it and then it starts walking around it's like okay what yeah that bit's a bit wild yeah yeah and the fact that there's a cat eating the cake at the end of the film and it looks a little bit mangy and you're sitting there going, oh, crap, they went back to that again, didn't they? Yeah. And that's a bit, almost a bit fantastical because at that point, the cat would have to be about 40 years old or something. So that it it does slightly take away from the movie a bit because it's got this nice ending with a song. And then you think this cat that looks like it's got rabies or something is eating the cake. And it's a bit. Yeah, I think I could have probably done without that. They could have got rid of the cat right at the end. Yeah, that, that's one of those. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Maybe not so much now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right, Vanessa, who is your MVP of Sweet Home Alabama? Candace Bergen. Yeah. Hands down. Um, like I said, every time she... I mean, it would have been good if she'd had more, but as much as I think Reese Witherspoon is really sweet and really suited to this role, it's Candace Bergen, I think, that's just the best thing about it and as, as i said she steals like every scene that she's in so yeah candace bergen for me for me it was actually josh lucas and i think it's, oh right cool i think it's one of those things where they could have played him to be an absolute ass but it's just one of those things where just the little things that they had him doing uh yeah. made him a much better person uh and absolutely appreciate what he brought to the role and yes played very well against um against Reese Witherspoon so that's all good although I did have to give a shout out to Ethan Embry as well for his role as Bobby Ray because he actually helped humanize both Melanie and Jake and that's no small feat in this film considering <laughs> considering Melanie's character in this one here Vanessa thank you so much before we go please let our listeners know where they can find you and the movie duel podcast out there on the interwebs Movie Joe podcast everywhere you get your podcast. Basically, I'm also on Instagram at Vanessa Cordner, and um, yeah, come and find me if you want to say hi. <laughs> thank you so much, and to you, our listeners, thank you for so much for listening to this episode of It's Not That Bad. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there is no way in Alabama that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on social media at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure to check out all of our other shows as well as our guest appearances page where you can hear me on the Movie Duel podcast as well on one of the quick draw bonus episodes. Vanessa, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much. This is It's Not That Bad, a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 